Welcome back to Everyday Disciples, the podcast where we strive to be like Jesus wherever we are. My name is Adam, and I'm one of the producers and editor of this podcast. I'm really glad that you're here with your time and attention. Thanks for listening. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing work and vocation and God's calling in our life, how to discern his will and what that means. In our second segment, we'll unpack and discover what it means to obey and submit to God in today's culture and in our own lives. Again, thanks for listening. Be blessed. Well, welcome to another segment of Everyday Disciples. And uh, today we've got a special new member around the table with us here, uh, part of our staff, Joan Cochenis, who uh, does a lot of the bookkeeping around here. You, you're our number cruncher, uh, our resident number cruncher. And uh, we thought it'd be good to bring you in here as we're talking today about work and vocation. So I'm also joined with Aiden and CJ uh, to talk about how do Christians approach their their work and their vocation. So maybe when we throw out that word like vocation, what kind of comes to mind when you guys hear that word? When I hear vocation, I kind of think of it as like similar to work, but it's like where you hold your job kind of. It's like what your role is. Um, I think it's more than just work. Vocation is like kind of more descriptive language when it's more than just what do you do. Vocation is as the resident word guy, I love I love words, and everybody knows that. The word vocation comes from the Latin word vocatio, and that is typically translated as a summons or an invitation or a bidding or even a calling. So I think of your vocation as what you are called to do, how you are called to serve, whether that is in more of like a laboral context or in how you serve. I think your your vocation is the callings that are put on your life. Um, and for the life of a Christian, it is the callings that you have received from God in order to best serve him and best serve your neighbors. I'm not that quite in depth, but I've always thought as vocation is work or how you contribute to society. Yeah, and I think that's probably a, a pretty common understanding by when you think of like vocational training uh that's often like like on the job type training or like a trade type training and for a lot of people i think it does go to that kind of work what what do you what is your job what is your role um, i know like lutherans we have a kind of a, a unique maybe within the the christian church understanding of the idea of identity because it's not for us it's not only your work it's that's certainly part of it but uh it's it's sort of all of your stations in life, as as parent, as spouse, as citizen, uh, as an employee. Uh, God's put you in all those places that you are right now. Uh, some of those will last your whole life. You're always going to be the the child of your parents. Um, some of those will start like when you become a spouse or when you become a parent, when you become a employee at a certain place, and then. Some of those may end at different times. Uh, but yeah, it's those, all those places that God puts us. And it's, I like it because it's a great way of seeing everything we do as a way of serving God. Um, so how do we, we, we all have different roles here. Uh, we all work in the church, but not all of us have always worked in the church. We, we all had secular jobs outside of 
I don't remember what your background is, Aiden. Uh, my background's in, in teaching, but I didn't even make it into the classroom other than my student teaching. But even like before college or while you were in college stuff? like While I was in college, uh, I, I was a volunteer working in outreach ministry, but while I was in college, um, I worked for a gym. I worked for a lighting company. I worked as a tour guide on campus. Like My, my, my jobs were really, yeah, it, it's definitely secular because... <laughs> Interesting jobs, though. Like, and you you learn a lot. I think from from all of your different uh, minimum wage jobs or beginning entry level positions. My first job was in a kitchen at a nursing home, and it sounds less than lavish, um, but it's actually really cool because all the old ladies and all the old I shouldn't say old all of the. <laughs> Chronologically gifted yeah. is all the way of, to put that. Yeah. <laughs> all of the chronologically gifted people just had so many stories. They came from all over the place. So um, some of my coworkers would get frustrated at me a little bit, but like some of the ladies would call me to their table and just try to talk to me for a while. I was like, I got to get back to work. Um, but yeah, pretty much until this position, I had only outside of church jobs. I mean, I worked in the kitchen at that job. Um, I worked in epoxying concrete floors for a while. Um, I had more of like a trades internship, and then I painted for a while. Um, what about you, Joan? What was what was your before ministry, before working at a church job? Um, I my very first job was a cashier, and then a cook in the cafeteria at school at Central Michigan. Um, food delivery, stuff like that. But to be honest, I've always been interested in numbers. So I laugh that my first job was cashier. And then I became an accountant and um, had two different jobs, three, sorry, as an accountant for large companies or small before I started working um, here at the church. And my first job, I think I've talked about it a few times. Um, I don't know if on the podcast, but definitely like in, in preaching and stuff about, a, I worked at a sporting goods store, um, selling all sorts of fishing equipment and live bait, which was always fun to work with. Um, leeches were not my favorite thing in the world to deal with. Uh, leeches and all sorts of little worms and grubs and all sorts of that kind of stuff. Also had a very sh short job um, working for a, uh, a septic tank and porta potty business, cleaning out porta potties for just a, just a summer. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was a, that was not one of the more pleasant jobs. Um, yeah, and then and was a custodian then for a long time at the the church and the school, um, and scrubbing toilets again. Somehow I just could never get away from those. Um, such is life, I guess. There's maybe some different lessons we could pull from that, but we're going to leave that one alone. Um, so we've all all of us have worked outside of the church, um, and as we think about our our work as a, a calling from God, that God, you know, he he placed us into those roles. Um, all of us Christian at the time while working in those roles. Uh, as CJ kind of mentioned a moment ago, we can serve God, we can, we can be Christian, live that out in 
those secular roles. It's not only in the church that that happens. So how do we? How do you do that as a painter? How do you do that as a a number cruncher? As a as a porta potty scrubber? Um, how do you how do you do that? What does that look like? Uh, the Barner Group actually did a a study and kind of a poll. Um, on what faith looks like in the workplace. This is back from 2018. But there were a few different attributes of how they believe um, Christian, what people believe are Christian responsibilities in the workplace. And I'm just going to rattle through them real quick. Um, it is to act ethically, to always speak the truth, demonstrate morality, make friends with non-Christians, practice humility, withstand temptation, do excellent work to glorify God, serve others, speak out against unfairness or injustice, help bring grace and peace to others, help mold the culture of my workplace, and share the gospel. There are a few of those that I think we think about how do you glorify God in the workplace. Um, and the one we typically think of is the, the do excellent work to glorify God. And I say yes and amen to that. But the the three top ones were the first three I listed were to act ethically, always speak the truth, and demonstrate morality. And I feel like for a lot of people, they probably think as a Christian out there in the workplace, like, I got to tell people about Jesus. Like, that's how I do it. And it kind of cracks me up that that's at the bottom of the list. Yeah. Because when you think, when you get right down to it, I mean, that that's an important thing. Something that we're all, we're all called to, to share the good news about Jesus. Um, but there's an awful lot of other facets to being a Christian out in the workplace than simply telling people about Jesus at every turn. I, I like that, uh, you know, that act ethically, always speak the truth, demonstrate morality. Like those aren't even things related to a particular job. Those are, that's just character. We're supposed to be people of character out there when, when we do what we're doing. Uh, Christians should be those reliable people, those truthful people, the peacemaker people. So one of the other aspects of, of work that we as Christians like to talk, talk about or think about is like work as a way of worship, um, as, a, as an element of our like worship of God, we, we do our work. And maybe that's where we get that like do your work well kind of idea. Uh, but how do, how do we, how do we worship God when we're doing our average job, our, our mundane day-to-day tasks. Even in ministry, there's a lot that we're doing around here that's just stuff that's got to be done. You know, there's schedules that got to be put together. There's emails that got to get sent and things that got to get I got to compile all my receipts to give to Joan. You're right. That, Joan that's, is that... always hounding us for our receipts. Yeah. That's something that's got to happen. So is it do, is that worship when we get to compile our receipts for Joan? How does Joan feel I about that? I appreciate when you do that. <laughs> I think I think it is. I think of work and vocation as worship, and how you are doing. Think just the everyday tasks that we have in our workplaces or at home or wherever we are existing. And if we take our our motto as followers of Jesus, wherever we are, um, if the goal of the Christian is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. And we are intentionally seeking the glory of God in all the things that we do. I don't really think there is an end to how we do things to the best of our ability and to the glory of God and to the betterment of others. That seems a lot like worship to me. If we are seeking to bring the presence of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go, and it's already there, it's it's then just reminding ourselves that God is with us and present. 
in the spaces that we inhibit, in the places that we go and that we are, are trying to live into the callings he has placed on our life. I really do think that the way that we work and how, how much time and effort we spend doing work for the sake of others and for the sake of God, I really do. I personally view that as an act of worship. Like, not only are we supposed to do things to the best of our ability, um, but we're also called to serve one serve one another, and you can definitely do that at work in a vocation. Um, and I feel like that's essentially the life of a Christian. If you can serve someone at work, you're doing Jesus's work on the go. And and the average Christian, I would say, every human being, you don't just have one vocation or one calling, right? Yeah, you you never have just one. No, and and it can one yeah it can change from season to season. Maybe you have a, one calling for a set period of time, and then another one in the next. But I think in every season you still have several at the same time. I think we and we touched on it earlier. Like you have you, what you do at work, but you also have your vocation as a spouse or as a son or daughter or as a sibling or as a friend. I think of myself. You know, I have the, my vocation currently is the student ministries leader here at St. Matthew. It's to serve the high school students and their families to, to be um, a mentor, a role model, and to just be a, a teaching point for sharing the gospel and sharing the love of Jesus with our students. My vocation also as a soccer coach is similar to that, where I still serve high school students, but I do it in a very different way, where I'm not talking about Jesus on the sidelines of the game. Um, I am intentionally trying to better my players. I'm trying to encourage them and give support um, and being present during games, during practices, trying to to work with them, build their confidence, help them learn and grow. Um, one, as, as, as soccer players, but also as young men and women. And I think about my, my vocation as a friend or as, you know, a, a son to my parents and a sibling to my, to my brothers, or my brother and my sisters. And it it's all roles that are going to be different from one another, but the end goal is still um, the glory of God and the betterment of others to serve those around me. Something I noticed, and I'm not sure if this is necessarily how it has been historically or even globally, but we as Americans find so much identity in our, in our work. Um, most of the time, like besides what is your name, the first question someone will ask you is what do you do or where do you work? And I'm not necessarily sure if that is maybe us trying to subconsciously categorize people into like socioeconomic status because um, that's just we compare as individuals. Um, and we spend uh, like a third of our day at work, so that's a huge part of our life, but there's so much more identity than just work. And that's why I think it's very good to keep in mind that word vocation. Um, and that whole picture, that vocation mm-hmm. builds for us, yeah, that it's it's broader than just that one thing. Because we as, like, if you really want to think about it, we as Christians, followers of Christ, we are always on the job. We're always at work. We're always the hands and feet, whether we're tired or whether we're cranky. Um, just a small interaction could either, obviously the Spirit is doing it, but make or break salvation. Which I think is such a an important thing to remember. Uh, I I don't know how how much people maybe think about this or not. I know like part of the the Lutheran doctrine of vocation kind of grew out of this sort of reaction to the people who were like 
the everyday people who looked at these like super Christians who went off to the monastery to you know devote their whole life to following God and oh they were like super Christians and the rest of us were just like lowly nothing and it's like well no like we all get to get to serve God in our world where we're placed um I don't know if people think about it in those terms today, like, oh, the people who work at church, like they're the the super Christians. Um, I can tell you, those of us sitting around the table, like none of us are super Christians. Like we all have growing to do. Um, in fact, we, we oftentimes look kind of outside the walls of the, the church office and, and it's like, um, you guys out there in the world who don't work in the church have more opportunity for impact because you're every day interacting with people who may or may not know Jesus and you get to be a light to them uh, where we don't always have that opportunity because we got, we've got stuff to do in here. Um, yeah. That's it. It does give value uh, to every job, every role that's out there. Uh, maybe as we kind of wrap up here, what um, just kind of what, what advice would you have for people who are you know, maybe like looking for meaning in what they do? You know, you've got some sort of a job that's maybe by, you know, some standard seems kind of boring or pointless. Uh, how do we help? How, how do we see the meaning that we've all got in our role? Just try to look at what you're doing is how it helps others or how you're can best serve um, those around you in your community. And within that, maybe the people that you work with uh, as a Christian, um, be real with people and transparent and just to talk to your coworkers and, and share in, in your everyday lives together since you do spend so much time at work. Yeah, like get to care for people. That's a, that's a great way to to show Jesus uh, as we're, we're those caring, we're the coworkers that maybe everybody maybe turns to for, I, I know that that person will care if I have something going on or I know that they'll listen. So, yeah, great guys. Thanks for, for leaning in talking a little bit about uh, work and vocation. On our next segment here of Everyday Disciples, joined with Aiden and CJ to talk about maybe a, a topic that uh, is really hard for us, especially here in America, and that's the idea of obedience and submission uh, when it comes to the, the life of a Christian. Um, so, I mean, right off the bat, when, when you guys hear that obedience and submission, does that, does that make you a little bit uncomfortable? A bit. It just kind of depends on who or what I would submit to or what I would necessarily have to be obedient to. I know there's times where I'll willfully do something hard times over, but as soon as somebody says, hey, you got to do that, it's like, I don't want, I'm not doing that. And CJ's too punk rock for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I get that. I, I've been in that position, too, where it's like, I wanted to do this, and now that you told me I have to, now I don't want to. I want to do my own thing. And I think I think just sort of, there, there is sort of a, a, a thread that runs through us as, as Americans that we tend to, it's that fierce independence thing of, I want to be my own person and do my own thing. And so this whole idea of being obedient and submissive, it flies in the face of that a bit. Like Matthew said, it's it's an American thing. We were told back in the day, hey, you need to pay this tax on the tea. And we're like, we don't want to pay that 
that tax on the tea. So not only are we not going to do it, we're going to take that tea and throw it in the river. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we're going to become coffee drinkers because because yeah. we don't like tea anymore because mm. of what it means for us. <laughs> Even though I, do, I still I'm drink tea. tea I, don't, I think, I don't I think drink we are all tea guys. <laughs> but as Americans, generally speaking, we all know we should drink coffee. We'll just drink tea and shame. But... Uh, <laughs> That's our, that's our not being obedient and submissive to the American culture around us, I guess. But as, as Christians, we want to be obedient and submissive to God. Um, so maybe what does that look like in our lives? How do we how we wrestle with that sort of thing? Yeah, I, I think it is it is difficult though because submission has a negative connotation to it because um, you're you're putting yourself as below or lesser than another thing. And that is pretty contrary to our culture, where not only should we not stoop so low, but you know, in our own minds, we should be the pinnacle. Like, like it, it is kind of up to us, and like we, we should find our our ideals and our our worth and our our value and our morality inside, like from within. Therefore, we can't be lesser than we have all the answers. But we know that as Christians, that's not true. Uh, we we find the answers for life and for how to live from Jesus and, and, and from the word of God. And that's the thing that I think maybe we need to reframe and just be, have a reminder. It's not a reminder that I need all the time is that the life of the Christian is lived in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We, we are submitting to a, an authority and to um, the Lordship of God, knowing that even there are some topics and some things that maybe we don't want to agree, but as Christians, we are called not to ask questions, but to follow. And it's okay to doubt and it's okay to wrestle. But at the end of the day, we are to obey the word of God. We are to submit to what Jesus's call in our lives and what God's will is for us. So so speaking of God's will there, great, great uh, bringing that up. How, how do we know what that is? How do we, how do we find God's will? Because we're gonna be we're gonna be obedient and submiss- submissive. We got to know what it is that we're obedient to and submissive to. How do we find that? I think a little bit we find God's will in the stories of Jesus. Um, he was essentially the King of creation and took a place as a servant. Um, and so I know one way that I find God's will is just to serve, to help others. Um, And that's kind of a form of obedience and submission, um, not only to others a little bit, but also to God. I know one of the most used forms of submission I probably do is prayer. I think of that as a form of submission. Um, Say more about that. how, How do you submit when you're submitting in prayer? What does that look like for you? Whether it's something where everything's just going wrong or everything's going good or a huge life decision. I try to do it more in the small things, but I mean, life moves so fast. I just do stuff without prayer sometimes, but I just try to get the input from God first, if that makes sense. I ask that the spirit work through this situation, through my heart, allow his will to be apparent to me, allow me to be able to discern with wisdom um, the path that I should take. I know that God doesn't have necessarily one path for us. There's hundreds of paths that you could take that lead to Christ. Um, but just just kind of waiting for asking for God's input um, is a form of is the way that I submit to Him. And whether I'm obedient through that is a different story. But I try. 
Um, Obedience is hard. We 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 want to. I mean, in our in our culture, we we want to think of ourselves as autonomous. Um, that that I'm my own person. I get to do my own thing. Um, for the sake of freedom, too, because we want freedom oh, in, right. in our own definition. That's, sure. I think, the other thing is maybe we are so contrary or we're so averse to obedience and submission because we see that as the opposite of freedom. Yet, if we look at the biblical narrative, freedom to do any and everything that we want to do is not freedom, but that is slavery. And that is slavery right. to sin. Well, yeah, because I was just going to say, like, you know, uh, where in the Bible are, are we really free you look at Paul, you know, we're, we're either slaves to sin or we're slaves to God, he puts it. Um, and that slavery to God isn't a, is, isn't a like beating down slavery kind of thing. It's a, it, it is a more freeing form of slavery, even though I'm not my, I'm still not my own person. I am, I'm in submission to him. Yeah. I think looking at, at scripture, we, we see what it means to be obedient and submissive through God's word. So I, I want to bring up um, David. I want to bring up Jonah. I want to bring up Jesus. So David, for all example. three good guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So so in David we see the the whole affair of Uriah and Bathsheba, where David um, sleeps with another woman, has her husband killed in the front lines of battle, and then when it's brought to his attention by the prophet Nathan, um, Nathan says, "You are you know you are the man. Like, you have done this thing." And David is so quick, and we, and we know David as a man after God's own heart, and he says, I, I have sinned against God, I've sinned against my fellow man. And David is so submissive, he humbles himself to what God ha- has, to what has been brought to his attention of his transgression. And so David is submissive, but he's not necessarily obedient because he doesn't do the right thing that leads up to it. And then we look at Jonah, where it's the opposite, where Jonah is obedient to God. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to preach repentance to the people of the city. He's so against doing that that he tries to run in the opposite direction. God says, no, you're going. He starts as not obedient. Yes, yeah. 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 And then he has to be obedient because God, you know, has a whale as the. When you become whale vomit, you really don't have an option after that. And so he goes into, into the city of Nineveh. He preaches the worst sermon ever. And he's just like, repent. So he's obedient, but not submissive. And it works because. And only like (laughs) technically obedient. Yes. Like, Like not fully yeah, and every and and the the city is the, like the whole city repents, and Jonah is mad about it. <laughs> like he's not very submissive to God. He's obedient. He does what's asked of him barely, and yet God is still glorified in it all. And and, and a, a t- an entire city of people repent. And then you have Jesus, and I want to look at, at especially Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to be arrested um, and betrayed. He he is is deep in prayer. He he is in so much pain and in so much ang- like anxious thought that he is sweating beads of blood. And he says to God, he says, Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. That's a perfect picture of both submission and obedience to God. That and that and that is the the and that and that is the the blueprint for us to to live, how do we both live in submission and obedience to God? Even when we don't want to, even when we feel like it's going to be difficult for us, we have to look at our provision from God and say, you know what, God, not my will, but yours be done. And that's that's really not easy. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> every message we get says the opposite of that. Yeah. Do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. 
do what do what makes your you happy do what fills you up um, and as as Christians God invites us into this posture of obedience and submission um, of taking up a cross in many ways um, and living a life that is maybe not as easy or as happy as we might want or, or and maybe not even as as happy or nice or pleasant as we we could actually achieve if we just did what we wanted to do but because God knows there's something better for us that he's got this he's he's got a will he's got a design to to how this life should work and he knows when when we're when we're in the groove of where we're supposed to be like things are are good um, it's it keeps us on track so if I'm submissive to God and I'm obedient to the law as best as I can be in the flesh any direction I take my life within reason is essentially God's will yeah it starts to come down to like how do we how do you define what God what is God's will um, how do we know that uh, I think you're on the right track that that knowing knowing what God wants for us which he he tells us in his commands you know not just in the Ten Commandments but um, you know my mind maybe automatically jumps to like in the Gospels where Jesus distills that all down to two things love God love others um, you know if we're if we're doing those things loving God and loving others and you got to think about what that means. What does it mean to love God? Well, it means to like walk in his ways, to, to, to hold his truth. Um, so we like, we're not jettisoning any of that kind of stuff. Um, and loving people, uh, not beating them over the head with God's truth. There's a lot of freedom in there. That's, that's not a, that's not a, like, there's just only one way for you to go in terms of how to live your life or what, how to be obedient to him. I think obedience can look like a lot of different things and still still fit within that loving God, loving others, following his law. How do we avoid becoming legalistic about it all? That's the hardest part, isn't it? Because as humans, we just we naturally want to, well, let's make a rule. If, if this is what we're supposed to do, we're going to make a rule and we're going to define <laughs> it. And if you're out of, out of bounds, then we're the going to Black you. and white, tell yeah. me where to go. I, I, for me, I think one of the, one of the ways that, that I strive hard not to be legalistic is I always try to think about myself first in terms of like, am, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm not, my primary job is not to be the police about what everybody else is doing wrong, but in my own life, it's that whole like deal with the plank in your own eye before you try to point out the speck in your brother's eye. Uh, now in that story that Jesus tells, it's not that we're not supposed to help them with their spec, but we got to deal with our own first. So I got to take care of my own where I'm not obedient before I try to get somebody else to be. And it's also good to understand that we are different. And so that like life for me and life for you look different and that's not a bad thing. That's God's will. Yeah. Our, our, our goal is to not become pharisaical. Um, like CJ said, the, the we, we have the same end goal and we have the same parameters. 
of we, we obey God and we, we live submissive to him. That doesn't mean that my life and CJ's life have to look exactly the same. And if CJ does his, his you know, if he reads scripture at a different time of day as me in a different way of doing so in a different order, like I can't look at CJ and say the way that you are being obedient to God is wrong because it looks different from the way I'm doing it. Um, that's where I think legalism really comes into play is if we, we look at another and say, what you're doing is wrong, what I'm doing is right. And there there really isn't the whole one size fits all. Yes, we have the, the, the commands from God. We do have the the call to holiness and righteousness and to, to Christ-like love. But the exact ways of getting there are not going to look the same. The the again, like the, the commands, the the I would even say, I mean, we we can even talk about how we we are averse to rules as well as to to obedience and submission. And usually rules are a really good way of of laying the groundwork of what it really means to be obedient is following these set of rules. And rules are not a bad thing. Rules I think are a very good thing for a civil and just society as well as to figure out, you know, how to how do you do this? You can't put together a piece of IKEA furniture in the wrong order. There are rules to these things. And if you try to put a piece of Ikea furniture together without the the right instructions, man, you're going to give yourself the biggest headache of the year. And so if we look at it as the way that we live, um, yeah, I I think that we, you know, play the game by the same rules, but you don't play it the exact same way as somebody else. Um, there, there is freedom. Like you said, Matthew, there is, um, the interpretation of how I'm going to live, um, obediently to God, to glorify him and for the betterment of my neighbor, but it's not going to be the exact same way as somebody else will do it. All right. Well, good stuff, guys. I mean, this is this is uh, one of those harder things as a Christian to think about um, as we follow God, as we follow Jesus and strive to be like him, uh, to be submissive to him, to his will. Challenging stuff, not something that we're, we're going to master in a weekend, you know, let alone a lifetime. Uh, but but a journey that we get to be invited on. So thanks for thanks for being part of this discussion, guys. Thanks for listening to Everyday Disciples. Everyday Disciples is part of the online ministry of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids. We're striving to be followers of Jesus wherever we are, and we hope you'll join us on that journey. If you found this podcast helpful in your spiritual journey, we'd be honored if you would rate us and review us wherever you listen. It helps people find us and get the good news about Jesus out there to the world. If you've got questions or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear about on Everyday Disciples, let us know with an email to media at stmatthewgr.com.